Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Jennifer Rentola with us here today, who is the owner of Butterfly Family Wellness, whole health educator, a speaker, an author, and mother of four. She is the author of My Family Fuel, A Busy Mom's Guide to Healthy Living, and featured author in The Wellness Universe, Complete Guide to Self-Care, where she wrote a pause with purpose, tame the chaos, and reset the nervous system. Jennifer's integrative bridge to health, helping to bridge the gaps between modern medical healthcare and alternative health, between self-care and caring for others, between science and intuition, between illness and wellness, and between adults and children. She helps women and children with special challenges tame the chaos of their lives so they can awaken to the magic and the messages inside and take back their power over their health and happiness, one choice, one thought, one action, and one reaction at a time. Jen, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me. I love that bridging the gap of of these these different fields of care and health Talk to us a little bit. How did you how did you realize that there was a gap that needed to be bridged and you were the bridge that you were one of the bridges that could that could bridge that gap? Yeah, um, it's funny because I, I, I truly believe that everybody comes into the world as a child kind of open and with that right brain and the left brain integrating. So that logical brain and that um, intuitive emotional brain being able to integrate. And I think sometimes as we age, as we get older, the expectations, the judgments, the fear starts to um, come and it makes us close to some of that magic or that intuition. Um, and, it, and it makes us a little bit distrustful. So I always had gifts when I was a kid. I always saw deeply into people. I always could tune into other things, other worlds, if you will. Um, and I remember my mom saying to me, oh, stop it. You're just trying to get attention. And so, you know, I, I wound up after a while just closing, I call the third eye, closing that third eye. And I went into medicine, um, always knew that I was a healer, always was a nurturer, again, could always tune into people's energies. And, and um, I was always very empathetic to people and wanted to help people. Um, but I went into medicine as a nurse and I, I was in, I was drawn to critical care because I felt smart and I felt, um, uh, just like on the cutting edge. And to me, that was like chaos. Right. And I loved the chaos. I thought I was thriving in that chaos. So, um, I wound up going to get a master's degree because I was frustrated with the way healthcare was thinking I was going to change healthcare by, um, changing policies, (laughs) quickly learned that that was so not true. And I felt so powerless. Um, And then I had, I had my own little minor health issues, but it wasn't really until the birth of my second son, when he had a massive neonatal stroke at birth. And I remember waking up and my son, I had my son in a community hospital and he was sent about uh, 30 miles away to a, a city hospital because he was seizing and he had stopped breathing and they really weren't sure what was going on at that point. 
And I remember they wouldn't let me hold him. And I, as a nurse, I should have been able to kind of understand what was going on, but my mother's brain just couldn't wrap my head around. Why can't I hold my baby right now? Why aren't you giving me my baby right now? And there was no one really processing it with me. There were people in panic mode all around me. And there were so many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, looking at different systems of my son, trying to analyze what could be going on. Um, Anyway, I remember waking up in the hospital, uh, babies crying all around me. My son is 30 miles away and just felt such despair and sadness. And all of a sudden I heard just breathe. So I took some really slow, deep breaths. And then I got, it's like a calm lifted, like the fog lifted like over me. And this calm came over me. And I knew I just needed to get to my son. I just needed to connect to my son. And I was able to kind of move through all those. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This wasn't wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Like when I had my first son, this was not how it was supposed to be. Um, And I was, and I, I asked the, the doctors to let me go so I could go be with my son because I knew in my soul, I just needed to connect to my son and that that was really what was, that he was going to tell me what he needed. Um, and I showed up at the hospital and my husband, who's a surgeon, is laboring over neonatal intensive care books. And I was like, listen, we need to just put that away and just connect to him and figure out what he needs in the moment. Cause there are so many cooks in the kitchen here, so many specialists that we really need to be attuned to what our son needs in this moment. And it was in these moments that really started to awaken me to the system-based healthcare and how we're not really always looking at the whole person. We're not really looking at connection. Um, we're not really listening to our right brain that intuitive part of our brain, that inner knowing because we are so stuck in our left brain and analyzing. And there's so much magic when we are able to integrate the two. There's so much magic when you can tune into your gut and like what you think you know. And then fast forward, my third son, same day I found out I was having my fourth boy, I found out my third son had leukemia. And at this point I had learned all sorts of things to help my son, uh, my second son that had uh, the stroke. I had learned Reiki because I knew that that's something that was gonna help move energy in the body. So I learned Reiki, I learned about movement. I became a personal trainer. I started really diving into mindfulness for myself and also for my son. I learned about you know meditation and just calming the nervous system. But all of that was almost like tested with my third son having leukemia um, because I knew what he needed. I had all of the things to help him through this. So I did Reiki on him every day. I, um, I, he didn't have any mouth sores or any, any of the horrible side effects of chemo. Um, but again, I was shown so, sort of the, the lack of whole person care that happens. And the lack, I remember asking some of the nurses, do any of you guys do Reiki? And they said, oh, we've had a certification, but uh, I've never tried to use it. So there's, so that whole balancing of Western and Eastern medicine can be very complementary and very useful in helping people, even like guided imagery. I did guided imagery stuff. My son had tremendous anxiety before procedures and, um, you know, using sound, sound and guided imagery and meditation. I remember talking to them and saying, Hey guys, 
can you try this kind of stuff instead of just making these anxious kids sit in the waiting room for hours and hours? So, and I remember the nutrition asking for help with nutrition. And they said to me, oh, just get calories in him. And I thought, wait a minute, you are killing all of the cells in his body. Cells need good nutrition, good nutrients in order to regenerate and be healthy and well. So these are the things that expose me to the gaps in healthcare. And also through this time, I really tuned into that intuition. I was channeling messages constantly. I was listening to that inner voice and trusting that inner voice. And so this is really why I think my boys are doing so well right now and thriving. And this is why I feel a calling to really help other families and other parents and other children to really just tune in as, as their own authority on themselves and as the greatest authority on themselves and to trust what's coming up for them. So. And you mentioned once or twice about being shown. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because <clears throat> I guess, was it an image you were seeing being shown? Was it an intuitive feeling you were feeling? Was it a combination? And how did you begin to, to lean in and trust in that? Because I feel like a yeah. lot of us have, you know, some sort of inner guidance, whether we're getting, we're getting some images or we're, we're having those intuitive hits. And then the hardest thing I hear over and over again for people is learning to trust in that, you yes. know, being able to distinguish that feeling from another feeling or being able to trust what might seem like a crazy and far out unconventional thought or feeling that goes against every single bit of left brain or, you know, programming yes. that we've been raised with and taught to, to value and respect, especially I think when you're going into medicine, when oftentimes we'll put doctors at the hierarchical top of authority figures and experts, right? Mm. So can you, can you just expand on it a little bit? What did you mean yeah. by shown? What was that for you? And how can we, how can we learn to lean in and trust in that for ourselves? That's such an awesome question, Jesse. And you're absolutely right. Everybody has this, everybody has the intuition. And as I had mentioned, you come into the world with this, but society um, and the fear because of the woo-woo or whatever, then the mistrust of ourselves tends to block that out. And another thing that sort of blocks out our ability to hear is that we are living in such a constant distracted disconnected world where we're constantly looking to be entertained and we're looking to we're looking to the future or we're stuck in the past that we're in order to really tune in and and hear the messages that come through you from your soul from spirit you have to be still you have to be quiet um, and then to trust them that's something that is practiced because let me tell you when this stuff first when I first started hearing things or feeling things, in fact, I remember when my friend Bonnie, who attuned me to Reiki, who told me your son's gonna need this, I wanna train you in this. She had been trying to get me to do Reiki for years. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. That's great for you. I don't know if that's my thing. So I fast forward to now my children, I'm in a dark place, right? I'm in a place where I am uncertain, I'm feeling powerless, I have pain. And it's in those moments that I think that you have two choices. You can become a victim and, and just surrender to that pain and just um, 
think kind of woe is me or why is this happening to me and resist it or you can open to to anything that will help you you know i i call it alchemizing that pain into the magic mm. alchemizing that pain into power because when you stop and slow down you can hear I mean, we all have this we've all i mean think of a time that you've just had something pop into your head a thought you know like oh turn mm, i wonder who i wonder how so and so is i'm going to give them a call and then you call that person and that person's struggling or just got hospitalized or something happened or you're driving some way and you think you know what i'm going to go this way something tells me to go this way that's your intuition um for me it was a voice it was just i heard the words just breathe and then i heard you just need to connect he will let you know when i am struggling i will write and journal and some that's sometimes how the messages can come through um but there are many times where i had messages come through and thought okay is this is this a message for me am i just thinking this and you question it but that's when our left brain gets in the way so it's that gut feeling it's that that inner voice that you hear it's the something tells me not to go down that path or something tells me to call this person or something tells me this isn't the right medication for me this is what i'm talking about as far as that intuitive um magic inside ourselves which is that inner knowing that comes mm. from soul guidance from spirit guidance what you choose to call you know whether it's god the universe your guides your you know you're just your gut feeling whatever you want to to think of it as we all have it and some some people for me it's a it's a voice that i hear it's words that i hear and i have learned again because of that vulnerable place i've learned to just be like okay i'll try anything and then all of a sudden you start seeing wow wow this works wow this is spot on wow that was the right thing you know and you start trusting it a little bit more and i love this so we're trusting the gut we're learning to listen to intuition we're learning to get a sense of it and now your third son is diagnosed with leukemia Arguably one of the worst fears any parent is going to go through is diagnosis of their son with a very dangerous and can what be deadly illness. Mm -hmm. And the traditional medicine is going to say, and I want you, you know, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you. So fill in the blanks mm -hmm. here. Yes. But traditional medicine is going to say, this is the treatment path. Mm -hmm. Now, highly emotionally charged situation, right? <laughs> Fears, anxiety, worry, all those things are coming up. Can you can you maybe share a little bit what your your son's treatment plan looked like in mm -hmm. terms of how did you blend and bridge the gap between the two? Because I think this is so incredible that through that emotion, and this is where, in my opinion, the magic of inner guidance and intuition really comes in, yes. is when you can hone in on it enough to be able to separate it from those intense emotional pains yes. and really develop a trust in it it seems that is when so much of the magic in life starts to open up. So could you expand on that a little bit? Your son is, what's his treatment look like? How do you navigate those emotional pains to really separate? And what is the, what kind of bridge do you end up creating between the different modalities for him? 
absolutely. Um, awesome question. Um, so I remember them, the, the doctors handing me a file folder that was about, oh, six inches. And they were like, this is the next two years of your son's life. And wow. so mind you, I'm pregnant and I have two other children. So I remember being in the hospital when my son was diagnosed, not expecting this. And to your point, I remember with being in the hospital with my second son for his neurology follow-up appointments and seeing the kids that were bald in the lobbies, the cancer kids and thinking, well, at least I don't, at least I'm not going through that. And then wow, fast forward, really? I'm going through that. And the, the thing, the message in that, again, I believe there's a message in every experience. And the message in that to me was you can, you can handle whatever comes your way. And that's that inner strength and that inner, that when you, it also taught me to allow other people to help me, which is another conversation, but there were definitely moments that were absolutely overwhelming and emotional. And I, I, I think this is why I was a great critical care nurse is I realized that I had to just stop and take a pause. And this is what I teach people to do, to pause with the purpose of resetting your nervous system. Because when we let emotions spin us up and we get into this overwhelmed stress spin, and when we start projecting to the future and start thinking, oh my God, this is the way I'm going to look or this is, you know, this is the next two years of my life, what's gonna happen here, what could happen, and all of those things. It is completely overwhelming. So one thing that I did was I learned to just take information in bite size and process that information as it came in and give myself the space to take those pauses and get quiet instead of distracting myself with all sorts of things. When I would find myself projecting, I would have to bring myself back and say, Jen, be in this moment right now, right here. This is where you have control. You cannot control what's happening in the future. You can only control what's happening right here, right now. And it was a lot of breathing and self-care practices to really anchor my energy and reset my nervous system allowing myself to be sad, but not allowing myself to sit in that sadness, to let that sadness kind of wash over me like a wave. And then really just let myself be guided, let myself truly be present with my son in those moments and connect to him. And I, I think I had mentioned to you when we had chatted before, my son literally died, like had a moment where he had something um, called press syndrome where he it was like he just spaced out and um, he, the swelling in his brain happened. And it was one of the medications that caused this um, where he, he couldn't see me. He couldn't hear me. He was awake and talking, but there was no interaction. And we rushed him to the hospital. And I remember asking all the angels to be with them because that's my thing. I call on the angels. I asked every, all the angels to be with my son. I called my friend Bonnie and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I need your help here. What are you, what are you getting? Tune in. I'm tuning in. I need you to tune in. And um, she said, uh, we're going to tune into him. Just ask the angels to be with who, any hand that touches him, which I did. So we get there and the, 
my dear friend calls me and says, honey, I'm really sorry, but I can't see the baby. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, I can't see the baby. There are so many angels around. I said, of course, there are a lot of angels around. I asked them to be here. And he said, no, the only time I see this amount of angels is when they're ready to, when they're taking them, when they're, you know, taking them to the other, other dimension. And I, I knew in my gut, nope, they're not here to take him. They're here because I called them to be here. And I remember my husband, again, my husband's a surgeon, said to me, Jen, go sit in the corner and just start writing. Get quiet so I can tune into that message. Start just writing. And I just asked, are you here to take him or are you here because I've asked you to be here? And they very clearly said to me, we are here because you've asked us to be here. He has chosen to stay. And that moment was probably the most powerful moment in my relationship with my husband, where he literally was like, I trust you implicitly. Like you tell me what the kids need. You tell me what to do. And it's, I couldn't do that if I was caught in this spin. I couldn't do that if I was uh, projecting to the future and, um, you know, worried about everything outside of me. I could only do that when I am still and present and letting my soul connect with my son's soul, which is in, in those moments of stillness. And then again, the Reiki. So one of the things nutrition I mentioned was a really important thing for um, me to support him. There's no way I would have turned down chemotherapy because it's been proven to save kids in this. And they had a plan. And this is where the left brain and the right name and the integration of the medicine happen. They know how to cure cancer in children. They, they have a plan. They know how to cure this, right? My son was high risk, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Whatever they told me to do, okay, we're going to do that. Now, there were a couple of times where they wanted to do some extra procedures because of some lab work. And my gut said no. So I had right. them repeat the lab work. And guess what? The lab work was off. The lab work was wrong. So with that mm. gut feeling that said, mm, can you just repeat that, please? This is a big decision to make based on just this one piece of data. Um, and so then doing the Reiki, I did Reiki on him. I did guided imagery on him when he was septic. I was able to kind of visualize just his body. And, and I believe that there is power in intention. There is power in belief. I needed positivity around me. So even like I, I, it was very important to me that I didn't have people that were pitying me or sat or crying and wanting me to lift them up. That was draining on my energy and I didn't have it. So I really made sure that I surrounded myself with positivity, that I asked people to help me, that I could trust, that I went to the right people for advice, that I got the right nutrition in him and that I did everything I can to balance in a natural way, the negative effects of the chemotherapy. I got goosebumps at least twice for your sharing that story. <laughs> and I think you and I have touched on the, talked about this briefly in a previous conversation, mm -hmm. but what I find especially remarkable, well, I shouldn't say especially the whole story is so remarkable, oh. but there's a moment in that that stands out to me so much. And that's your, your husband saying, mm. I trust fully in you. And the reason why is, when I think of a surgeon, I think of someone who is very sound in science, right? They, the science says this, if you do this, then this happens, right? There's a, there's a very cause and effect. You, you cut here, you suture here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Outcome is predictable and expected. And when I think of a surgeon too, I think of someone who, if I were to stereotype them, they go into that specific field of medicine because it's, it's really like the, the point in medicine where you have ultimate control. 
Yeah. Right. It's literally that that bridge, and mm-hmm. oftentimes between life and death. And you are the one that gets to be there at that point of the most critical point in care that could potentially save somebody's life mm-hmm. because you're the one that has put yourself in that position to be qualified to be able to do those life changing procedures. So here, I'm thinking that about your husband, the surgeon. And in a moment where he feels completely like he doesn't have control, powerless. it's not his hands yeah. or he's not no, able he to do anything. Powerless. Yeah. yeah. And I can imagine just how much, how powerless, what that powerless feeling would be like for an average person, for somebody, then I imagine what that powerless feeling would be like for somebody who's in, a, who's in surgery, who goes in there because they can have that influence. And then imagine what that would be like for somebody like your husband, who this is his son on top of it. Mm-hmm. And to be willing to let's say, letting go of that and putting his trust in this, you know, kind of woo woo way of mm-hmm. thinking or whatever it is, but knowing, and I imagine for him at some intuitive gut level, he had to know that that was the only thing that was true and made sense for him in that moment. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, absolutely. And, you know, surgeons, doctors, people in medicine, they're fixers. They want to fix things. They want, they're, they're, they're um, result oriented. So, you know, you come into me, I'm going to give you these things and I want a positive result, right? But what all of these experiences really taught me was some, our job is to connect to the soul and help the soul in whatever way that soul needs to be helped. So sometimes it's helping someone pass. I've had that experience. Um, another story, but <laughs> um, it's, it's helping somebody pass or it's helping somebody realize that the problem isn't in the bone or isn't in this, that it goes a little bit deeper and it has to do with some emotions that they've stored, right? And it is pretty incredible that my husband, who I've trained in Reiki now, who he, um, he's an orthopedic surgeon, so he does upper extremity, he, um, he's so much more open to alternative things. And he's usually will, will recommend alternative things to people. And um, it, it's, it's definitely, I mean, he tells me all the time that I've really opened him up. And to be honest with you, the experience with our kids has made him a better surgeon. He's able to connect on a deeper level with people, particularly like he does, um, he does uh, pro bono work at a Shriners hospital. And he works with kids. And there are a lot of times that um, our, our son couldn't move his right side for the first year of his life. So he had a little bit of a, a contracture and everything, which we worked through. You would never know he had a stroke now. But my, my husband has a lot of empathy for these families. Um, so, I mean, it is a little woo-woo, but I truly believe that our greatest power as healers is when we are able to integrate that left and that right brain. When we're able to use our knowledge and use what we have and what we know is going to help the person, but also use our gut that tells us, gives us more direction, that sort of that magic within us that helps light our path and lights, helps light the way, the next direction, the next step. And, and allowing ourselves to really connect to that person on a soul level to see the complete person and allow that to guide us and allow the person like I won't go to a doctor that doesn't respect what I'm saying that doesn't ask me what I think or what I what I think is going on or or 
you know, that doesn't respect my own authority over myself and my own knowledge as the expert on me and my body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to me. Powerful. Yeah. And my husband is the same. I mean, this is the magic within us. Like you, we know ourselves better than anybody else, but we become so disconnected from it because we're allowing outside world to tell us what we should feel, think, be all of that, what we should eat. I mean, all the diet industry is crazy. Don't get me started on that one, but like yeah, there we, is we, no we one We don't have size. time for those tangents. So you and I could go. <laughs> I know, but there is no one size fits all for anybody, yeah. even in medicine, even a treatment plan. There might be, this is generally, but like we might need to throw a little of this in or we might need to take this out, you know? And that's where that intuition and that connection really is quite powerful. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. And you, you mentioned something in there about your doctor asking you questions about what you think. And it goes back to this whole idea of, you know, so many of us are raised with the idea of respect authority, respect your elders, mm. do what you're told, blah, 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 blah. And we operate off of this. Okay, yes, yes. And then people, when there's, and then oftentimes when there's a challenge to that, especially in adolescence, people will say, well, you're just a rude kid. You're, you're this or that. I often tell people that teenage rebellion isn't them trying to be disrespectful. It's that it's one of the first times in their life they're really putting language to values, beliefs that they realize they may not feel aligned with you. Yes. And you're just not qualified and capable of being able to have a dialogue with them because you're so closed off to the idea that they can expand beyond who you are. Yeah. And it made me think of this, this quote I recently heard, and it was something to the effect of, you can tell the difference between a, an expert and a master because an expert will tell you, you, you go to an expert with a question and the expert will give you an answer and it'll be a really, really good answer. And then you, you go on your way and do with what you want with it. Whereas a master will say, wow, that's a really good question. Sit down, let's talk about it. Absolutely. Right. And it's with an the interesting inner's mind, right? Yeah. It's the beginner's mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it is, it's, it's that idea of like, I realize and it feels like this too. It's like, I realize that the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Oh, 100%. and there's all this space in between that I'm too, I, I'm, I've been blinded to see my own life experiences, my own beliefs, biases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that you shared that night. Jen, we're running up on time. So before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you online? Um, absolutely. Um, right now, butterflyfamilywellness.com. Um, that is my current website. I'm working on launching a new website, which is jenniferrentolo.com. Um, and uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is just Jen, Jennifer Rentolo. Um, my Facebook page is Butterfly Family Wellness. And then I have a LinkedIn, uh, which is just my name, Jennifer Rentolo. And I have an Instagram, which is Jen Rentolo. Very good. Everybody will be out looking for you after this. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> this has been such a this has been such a fascinating conversation, Jen. And I think we've we've really done a beautiful you've you've painted a beautiful picture of I think what can be possible for humanity when we start to lean into and trust our intuition gut. And I want to just take this for the last minute or two and, and think very global. Your opinion completely mm -hmm. your opinions, no right or wrong with this at all. It's just, I, I would love to hear what your thought is on this. You have a magic wand. Mm. You can wave it around and we finished 2021 and we're going into 2022. 
into a year where the entire world has embraced this, this idea, this notion that they can listen to intuition, they can listen to their guidance, that they should trust their gut instinct, that it that it has been trying to beckon to them and that they realize that what all that is, is soul guidance. And so then all eight and a half billion of us or however many there are going into January 1st, 2022, we commit to living that year in alignment with that greater soul purpose, a greater soul calling, that greater reason for why we're here. What does that world look like to you? Oh, it's a world that is operating from the heart set of the head. It's a world that is opening to love and letting go of fear. Um, it's a world where everyone is really focusing on their inside world and healing and calming and understanding what makes them who they are. And then when they can calm that inside world, it starts to ripple that calm and that peace outside. Um, that's, that's the main thing is I see a world where if we could just stop spinning, anchor our energy and just get quiet, get still and reconnect to ourselves, that's when we're gonna tap into our greatest power mm. and heal as a nation, as a world, I love that. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch and re-listen to this one? <laughs> Jen took us down an incredible journey of really tapping into and discovering what your greater soul calling is and unlocking and unblocking, I would even say, the magic that's been inside of you since birth. As she mentioned, all of us are born with it, but so many of us unlearn how to tap into it through rigorous conditioning from society, through rules and standards that are set upon us from parents and upbringing. And that's not to say that any of it's right or wrong. There's probably good intentions behind it all. But it is to say that if you've ever had that lingering why, ask, question, challenge. I love the idea of never going to a doctor unless they're genuinely curious about what she thinks. You know, imagine if you set that standard in your life with any and all authority figures or people who are professionals that you look up to, that you're willing to ask them why. You're willing to engage in discourse and conversation. We talked about the magic of learning to trust your gut, your inner guidance, and your intuition, even in the face of the most challenging, difficult circumstances, including a deadly illness that her son was going through, and figuring out how to separate that and truly bridge the gap and utilizing the wonderful tools and resources that modern medicine has to offer but also combining it with that inner guidance and soul wisdom that it's intuitively light inside of us, but most of us never hear or tap into because we are often live so much of our life in fear or distracted. We talked about the power of pause and pausing with a purpose, allowing yourself to really get quiet and centered and focus in on what there's, what is true. And often we, we don't give ourselves that opportunity to do that because we're so busy distracting ourselves. You know, in this world, we've made our lives so busy. It's almost become a way that we measure our sense of self-worth, who puts in more hours and how much more we had on our to-do list and how many more items we got checked off. And it's almost like our experience of the day, what we've contributed to the world is invalid unless we have 5,231 things on our to-do list and we didn't get them all done. But is that what life is really about? Is that really why you're here is to accomplish one to-do list after another? Perhaps you can sit with that, find a place of being quiet, pause for a moment with purpose, and then the sole purpose to really dig in and explore what that might be for you. And let us know what comes up. Message Jen, message myself. We'd love to hear. Each and every one of you watching and listening right now, you're either on a path where you know what your soul's purpose is, or perhaps you're in the process of self-discovery or wild curiosity of what it might be. 
So before you do anything after today, whether you're listening to this in the car while you're working out or you're hanging out with friends, before you do anything else today, take a moment just to pause. Be present, be still, and just see what comes up for you. Allow yourself to tap into start tapping into that inner knowing, that gut feeling. Whatever message you get, trust it. Take the action. And just experience life from a little bit different perspective. Jen, this has been such an incredible time with you. Thank you so very much for sharing. Deeply grateful for you today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to